Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome back to another special episode of the Cousin Cecil Show, where it's another Wednesday. That means I'm with another comic book author. And uh, this week I have uh, Mr. Uh, David Andre uh, with me today. And he has written, he, he has a book out called from Vault Comics called Resonant. And I'm more just, hey, how you doing today? And thank you for coming on. Yeah, yeah, cool. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. No, and then uh, his, uh, he, Definitely his book resonant just more before we get into him. Um, luckily, he did, he is very smart. He gets on his social feeds and he saw me speaking about it and goes, hey, just you mean I creep I creep yeah. everywhere and I search for the term resonant constantly. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> he, he saw my tweet just saying, oh, look, that looks really interesting. He goes, FYI, you can go get the free ver- get the free I- first issue. And I'm like, oh, really? Long story short, I'm already in volume one. I bought volume one, and I'm wait. Uh, I'm waiting for volume two to pop out so I can get like a whole collection, like I did this one. And I just want to more say it's a really good. It's really very very interesting. Thank you, thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, you can like anybody can download the first issue for free to own, basically from the Vault website. So you go to the Vault website; they have a ton of like first issues for free. Um, so you don't have to pirate it. You don't have to borrow a friend. You can go <laughs> actually legitimately own it for free um, from the site. You just download it, and there, you know, there don't be any charge or anything like that. You just run it like a purchase, but there's no charge. Um, and so yeah, it's a great way to check out a bunch of their titles. And you know, I'm a I'm a firm believer that if people read issue one, they'll want to read issue two. <laughs> Tip: uh, A very good drug dealer said the first taste is free. Of course, that's right. <laughs> Uh, um before like i like to get into you obviously uh let's get into more your background you know what got you into comics and of course you know you know what what was the bug that got you into this i mean yeah i've been uh i think i started collecting comics probably 1986 uh so so back in the day and then you know it was kind of like in the middle of the 90s explosion you know and got there, I, you know, I started collecting like Ninja Turtles and some like smaller indies and then got into like a little bit of Marvel. And then when Image hit, I was, I was all in. And, you know, that was when I was like late in high school, early, early in college and um, had a friend who was an artist and he wanted to, you know, that was kind of the thing. Everybody was, breaking in young, you know, you had guys like Liefeld and stuff who are like 16, 17 years old or however old, like drawn professional comics. And so it seemed, it seemed attainable. Um, and so we would, you know, write comics together and never actually produce anything. And I, I, uh, <laughs> I tried out for a couple of the Wildstorm talent contests. So they'd have talent contests and, yeah. you know, you write a little script and stuff. And, and that kind of was the start of the bug. And I was always, going to conventions and stuff and um, then went away from comics for a while because I was in college and I was poor and I couldn't afford to buy any. And then uh, probably about 12 years ago, 13 years ago, um, a friend, Cena uh, Grace, who was actually a friend of a friend who I'd met a couple of times, um, was looking for help at a booth at San Diego Comic-Con. And it was a Skybound booth for the launch of the Walking Dead TV show. Uh, you tiptoe so, around it. I was gonna say, yeah. Uh, you're like, yeah. I just got to work at a booth. Uh, oh, oh, just yeah. a little one called Skybound, and they were yeah. announcing the 
biggest probably TV deal for an indie comic. Uh, yeah, I mean, this was like, and we, you know, had no idea how big it was going to be, right? That was yeah. like the first actual announcement, and they had trailers, and they had big banners up at San Diego for Walking Dead. And so we went in here and just like were, like that booth was mobbed, and we were super popular, and like the the trailer hit, and everybody lost their mind. And so people were coming up and scooping all the books and stuff. And it really like got me back into comics. And from then on, I've been collecting again and, um, you know, and the writing bug hit again and uh, starting to meet like, so Skybound and Image are, were always connected. And I would talk to the image creators and, you know, got to know some of them and, um, you know, asking like, how do you do this? How do you break in? How do you, and they're just like, start writing comics, man, start writing comics and putting stuff out. So, um, I started writing some, some comics and started self-publishing. I did a, a four issue kind of self-published relationship drama series, um, uh, that you can find at, uh, ghostthunder.com. That's the name of a little, a collective I have here in Sacramento with some friends. The, that that book is called Last Supper. That's, yeah, the first issue was, well, the first, yeah, the first comic was Last Supper and then, I got a, you know, it was supposed to be like a standalone one shot, you know, just a story that I wanted to tell. Um, and then it got such good response that I, I did a follow up. And so it turned into this relationship drama series where I would, it was about a couple and then that how they met. And then I, I did each issue like five years down the road, like during a, kind of a, a, a pivotal part of their life and their relationship together, like with that, those kind of turning points. And so ended up doing four issues of that and putting it together in, in one volume called the wild uncertain. Um, and, and, you know, it was really kind of like my going to school and learning how to be a comic book writer and seeing what it looks like when I go from the script and give it to an artist and comes back and there's a finished page and going, okay, what works, what doesn't work. And just learning the craft that way. And, um, just started just writing as much as I can for friends, for artists that I would hire. I did a couple of self-published anthologies, got accepted into a Iron Circus anthology. Um, and then a good friend of mine who I'd met working the Skybound booth, actually, Tim Daniel, um, is one of the, you know, kind of founding folks that, that created Vault Comics. Right. And, um, he put in a good word for me and let me, got me the opportunity to pitch to Adrian Wassel at a Sandy at a Emerald city comic con one year um, and pitched him two things. The second thing was resonant and like four seconds into the pitch, I, I kind of knew I had him. <laughs> yeah. It was kind of one of those things where they're like, where he started like saying, what if this happens? What if this happens? And here's a little tidbit. If you're a writer and that doesn't happen, you say yes to the editor. That does happen. <laughs> yeah totally yeah, yeah, yeah. oh yeah sure that and what well you know whatever you say as long as you publish it i can probably make that happen because you know in two years when you actually give him the script he's not going to remember the stuff he wanted to happen so <laughs> secrets out no yeah, I, always, I was always say yes <laughs> yeah. i was curious because uh behind the veil because of course i looked up some more other interviews with you and i was here hear that whole story about the comic cons which is awesome to hear and more for me, um, out of the little, I'm like in a couple of hand, like a handful of authors I've talked to, you are more in particular, you have the more backstory. Some of them I've talked to 
like they're just getting into comics. They're only maybe like three, four years in, and they just yeah. uh, uh, like that. But like one of them just hit lightning on their first pitch, so that's cool. Yeah. Not like uh, because he won the he won a writer's uh, thing for Mad Cave. So okay. in the that idea, and I'm more more I'm glad to hear somebody like you who got into a into the basically working and dealing to get your way to where you are right now. And I appreciate to hear this because also like this isn't your day job. No, you are also a uh, physical, uh, physical therapist. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's another, yeah. That's a little clinker about the idea of like (laughs) thinking about the glitz and glam of like just being in like some kind of like pop. (laughs) No, I have another job too. Yeah, no, I have, I have real work that I have to do. And then, you know, when I'm not exhausted, you know, nights and weekends, I write. You know, when I have time with the, the significant other and all our animals and all the other stuff that goes on in a regular life. Um, but I think for me, what was really important is for a solid. So when I decided, OK, I'm going to actually, you know, when I when I started doing my self-published stuff, you know, that was kind of like fun and local. I always had the thought process of, you know, pitching and and and, and doing bigger books. OK, Um but I wanted to make sure that I could handle it. Right. So for a year solid, I wrote every single day and it did not matter how tired I was. It didn't matter if I was sick. It didn't matter if it was good or if it was something I kept. I sat down at the computer and I wrote every single day for 365 days in a row without missing a day. Cause I wanted to make sure I had the discipline. If I'm going to say, Hey, I can, I can give you a script in you know a month. I want to make sure I can give you a script in a month, you know? Um, so I really worked on the, you know, my self-publishing stuff, you know, as like my school, but also my proof of concept and like just letting myself know that I can develop, I can develop the discipline to sit down and write. And, you know, now, you know, and, you know, Adrian, uh, Wassel has said uh, a couple of times that I'm like the fastest writer he knows. And I'm like, I'm not sure that's a compliment, but what I'll take it as is like, when I have a task, I, I do it, you know, I don't. I don't sit down to write and then go on Twitter. I don't sit down to write and like, you know, text people and BS and, and watch a show or something like that. Like I sit down Saturday morning, Sunday morning, pretty, pretty consistently. And I write for two and a half to three hours. Um, and, you know, in, in that time, I've written hundreds of issues of comic books, most of which people probably won't see, but. You, you got to develop that muscle memory that you can write anywhere. You know, you can, you can, yeah, if you have five minutes, you can write a scene. If you got like time on a plane, you could sit down and, and, and like outline something. So uh, for me, that was really important to have that discipline because I don't want to commit to something, say something if I can't actually um, follow up with it. Right. No, it's, and also, yeah, that is always good to hear like your upper, upper level bosses to say, even if you say call you quick, obviously means you're probably very reliable and that's very great to obviously have for their bottom dollar of their yeah. company. But um, that also goes into uh, you do some amazing writing in this little bit of the, I've only got to read fully just five issues and I am interested in the another part of this conversation, but uh, you do do a pretty interesting curve into like, wow, <laughs> Um, we'll get into it more about resonant, but like the idea of, oh, I'm your, it's, I'm a, it's about a dad looking for medicine and then, oops, I tripped. I'm in a, on an island full of cannibals. Yeah. Like, whoa. yeah. 
it's you know it's that same old story you always hear. yeah you know you know the old whoops i'm i'm a surrounded by cannibals story the good yeah. old single father story that went to go get milk and that's what what happened he's going he went and yeah. he's on cannibal island yes <laughs> sometimes uh, that's where the trip to the grocery store will take you but, in the apocalypse uh, since we just kind of tiptoe would you mind let's uh can you give us like the breakdown of like the main story of resonant and then we'll yeah. keep on going so you know kind of like you said it's a story about um a father who has to go out and find medicine for his critically ill and, and chronically ill son um and and his son is is kind of mobility impaired and and he can't really take his kids with him he has three kids um and so he has to leave the oldest in charge uh and go out and find some medicine uh for his for his son and we're kind of in this post-apocalyptic world where the world has been affected by these waves of of energy that hit kind of randomly and force people to follow their their deepest kind of darkest impulses so if you have ever had a thought about you know if you're cutting vegetables and seeing you know wonder what it'd be like if you sliced your arm or if you're on the top of a building wondering if you ever would have jumped off or that person that makes you the least happy you want to punch them in the face those are the things you'll do when the waves hit um and so this world has kind of been, you know, the earth has kind of been destroyed almost by this or civilization at least. Um, and so he has to navigate this world and, and get back to his kids with the medicine and the kids have to survive without their father. Um, and, and Paxton, our main character, the, the father, he is able to still his mind with some meditative techniques. And so when the waves hit, he can just ride them out by being focused and having his mind clear. I mean, most people have to bind themselves down, you know, tie themselves up or somehow isolate themselves so they don't hurt themselves or others. And so he has a little bit, a tiny bit of an advantage in this world um, as he goes out and kind of navigates this world that he really hasn't been out too much in since the, the world kind of ended. Yeah. And more also because um, I'm very interested also, like, where did you think of this uh, idea to have that characteristic for Paxton to have uh, be able to go into that Zen like like did that come from somewhere in your life of like knowing like a meditative state like that? <laughs> well, you know, funnily enough, there's a book called The Inner Game of Tennis, um, and it is all about applying Zen philosophy to sports and tennis in, in particular. Um, and I really found that book really enlightening when I, when I read it, I was playing racquetball at the time. Um, and I was playing with my college roommate who hadn't played as long as me and we were fairly competitive, uh, but I would, I would usually win, but we were, we would have pretty close games. And I read that book in one sitting. And then that night we went and played um, racquetball and I beat him like 15, one, 15-0, 15-0. And it did not feel like I was trying. Um, and it was the, the only thing that I've ever had like that, that changed my performance or my thought process in such a quick um, time that was so readily kind of evident when I applied it. Um, so I've always kind of been interested in Zen philosophy. And I really wanted, you know, Paxton to be this really in control, um, in, in, in control person and not to be, a, you know, kind of, to be to be blunt not a stereotypical 
uh, black man that we've seen in media where they're the, you know, quote unquote, angry black man. I wanted him actually be the opposite. I wanted to be the still and calmness in the storm um, when everybody around him is raging out of control. Um, so it was kind of a combination of those two things, you know, um, kind of my love of my love and obsession with Zen, Zen, Zen philosophy. And then, and then uh, Paxton, who he was as a person. Right. Um, it just kind of was his character, you know? Yeah. I also, uh, again, I'm, so I'm going to try and tiptoe cause I don't want to spoil it for anybody who would <laughs> jump in to read it, but it is a very interesting read in the sense of, uh, this is a, I like this style of, uh, we'll call it post-apocalyptic because of, um, these, these ideas of this wave. And to my knowledge right now at, at five issues in, I do not know where the source of the waves is. I don't know if we get to hear that. No, we don't. Okay. That's even better. Well, there there's, we get a little bit into more of the mechanics of the wave in the second arc, but I didn't. So if say, me and you are in the middle of an apocalypse and it's this type of apocalypse. Would we know what caused it? Nope. You know, if this just randomly happens, would we be able to solve it or we would know who caused it? And, and it's kind of, to me, you know, kind of <laughs> unrealistic in an unrealistic genre and unrealistic, you know, story. It's more unrealistic for him to go, you know, Oh, I can fix this for everybody. So I didn't really, I didn't really care so much about the mechanics of it. It's kind of like, you know, someone who lives in Tornado Alley, they don't sit around trying to figure out how to solve tornadoes, right? You just go into the shelter when they come. Right. So so that's kind of how I wanted to approach the waves. If this is just a natural phenomenon. It happens now. This is how the world is. And this is 10 years after the fact. People have just learned to live with it. You know, this is just, you know, the kids have grown up their entire lives and this is their world. Um, and so I, I kind of didn't want to get into like, a bunch of scientists trying to figure out what the problem was. No. And it, it goes really well. Cause it, it, like you get that, you have that lingering thought as a reader, of course, Oh, wonder what this is going on. But the, the story itself drives itself in the way of like, like in particular, like how, where Pat, the, the father is right now. And at the end of issue five <laughs> and what is going on with the, uh, his oldest daughter, which also is uh, missing a leg. She's also, you know, and she's obviously trying to protect her, her middle brother and her little brother. And then there's just some situations at the, at her house right now to handle. And it's, um, it's a very, like, it's doing so well that the world issue is irrelevant compared to the character issues. And I, I really appreciate that too. It's really cool. I, I also like the idea of seeing there is another possible with, to my knowledge of uh, issue five, uh, looks like there might be a possible, another way to sur not survive, but, uh, un you don't have to bind yourself for the, mm -hmm. the wave, like the little brother, the yeah. middle brother is, that's really cool. Yeah. And then, uh, you are also very sneaky and you had your artist draw your, your dog into the, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. That was not sneaky. That was just blatant. I want my dog <laughs> in my comic. Yes. I have a, I have a, she's 12 now, 12 year old pit bull that I've had since she was rescued as a puppy. Um, and you know, when you have a pit bull, um, I, I didn't realize that I would have to become a pit bull advocate at all the people that like would 
say stuff to me to my face with my dog right there and saying how vicious she is and how she'll eat babies and, and whatever, you know, and while they're petting her saying, Oh, I'm really afraid of pit bulls. I'm like, you're petting one right now. Hmm. Um, so, you know, I had to educate myself a lot on them and, you know, kind of became an advocate uh, for a while. And so I'm like, I want to just immortalize my dog in this comic. If I'm going to get one comic, I'm going to, you know, use it to my most selfish <laughs> ability, you know, you don't know how many shots you're going to get this thing. Yeah. I, you know, I didn't know if it was going to be successful or popular or if anybody was going to read it. So like, if I'm going to, if this is going to be my one shot, I'm going to go out in a, in a selfish blaze of glory and put my freaking dog in here. <laughs> well, that's also another thing I like to, uh, I was trying to tiptoe around is uh, the little uh, behind the scenes uh, interview I was watching you on before it came out the 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 book even issue one you got you said it was only gonna be five issues well we the the plan was the plan was always past five um you know i i pitched when i pitched to adrian i pitched more it uh, i pitched 10 issues that's kind of or more that's where i kind of thought it was going to go i didn't think i could wrap it at five because i Basically, you know, when I sent him the first arc, the first arc was seven issues, and then we pared that down to five. And then we lost the artist after the first five. So there was a thought, well, we may not be able to finish this. And then luckily, Skylar Patrick decided to come on board and save my bacon and make the book even more amazing. So, yeah, wait till you get to the second arc. Uh, I'm really excited with what she's doing on the, the art in these pages. Yeah, she's I... been really great. I'm actually excited too. And no, that also just more, I was going to ask you while more you answered it, I was going to say you were planning for more than five, but I was going to wonder how hard is it as a writer to like squish something down into five issues or the idea of if you were set for five and then you're like, Oh no, can you expand it more? Is it that? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that is, that is hard. It was, um, you know, we, I had a much slower pace um to the story and there was a lot more you know dialogue and internal struggle with the kids and, and so that part was a little bit expanded um so we compressed quite a bit of that um and then compressed a lot of paxton on the island with honcho there was a lot more honcho uh and so unfortunately we had to lose some honcho but you know you just kind of you kind of take it down to the story that you want to tell and distill it to the important parts and it usually kind of makes it better Right. And and you just kind of read the whole the first five issues and they probably went pretty fast and everything, you know, hopefully was paced pretty well. Um, so it's just a little bit of a different reading experience. I had a harder time because once it was like once I lost once the artist um, left in the, after the first five, I'm like, all right, maybe I'll get another five. So let me finish everything. Uh, so the second arc was harder to do that in, to compress down. Um, but I think we come to a really kind of satisfying conclusion to ev most everything. Um, and I think the readers are going to be happy. I have said on other um, interviews before that I've actually written 15 issues. There's five more issues that I've written. Um, but it does not really pertain much to what has already happened. It's two years in the future after the last issue. So we kind of jump ahead and come back into the world. And I'm telling just a different story. Oh, um, even, you know, that keeps, 
that keeps the readers who just want that universe going without having to feel about those la- the first ten because, like you said, uh, those first five, they are very uh, they're pretty well paced. I I can't I can't see no besides like you know the f- idea of first issue then second issue for the dad part. Oops, I'm trapped. I'm stuck. Like wow, <laughs> yeah. that's okay. But the rest of it has been very excellently paced even like just the situations of what the 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 kids are dealing with yeah i would also like to wonder is uh more of a personal thing for you is if you were stuck in that world and just because of how you describe the wave would you be more of a self-inflicting or would you be more of a lash out type of person i would 100 percent self-inflicting i would have i would have like jumped off a bridge ripped my eyeballs out i would have done something uh, already terrible to myself that I would not, I would not be the one, one of the ones that survived. <laughs> like, was, like Robert, like Robert Kirkman always says, like during the walking dead, he would have, he would have been one of the first ones eaten. I would have been one of the first ones to like maul myself or crash my car or something. It would have been, it would have been over pretty quickly for me. Unfortunately, I'm not a survivor. I was wondering more because I was like, this gentleman has written relationship comic books so i'm pretty yeah. confident he's a very internal person <laughs> yes yeah 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 it would not be uh i don't have a lot of outward rage uh, it's it's a lot of more in, uh, inward emotion so yeah i definitely would have been on the self-harm the part. shampoo bottles have hurt a lot of things out of you man I bet. <laughs> they, they don't want to they want to be around no. that side <laughs> no. uh what is your like, what's the plan after Resonant? Like, are you like how you said you like if this is my only shot? But like, is there have you been heard anything? You have another. So there's been an announcement. Um, we uh, there's a uh, Vault announced all their creators for the 2021 year. Um, so me and Tim Daniel have started uh, co-writing together, and so we have a book that's slated towards the end of this year that's coming out. Um. So nothing, the title hasn't been announced or anything like that yet, but we have been announced as a creative team. So I can say that, um, uh, other than that, have a lot of stuff. I'm looking at, up at my whiteboard right here, but a lot of stuff in the works. No, so that's, I'm more happy because of like how you, how even listening to other interviews, like, you know, like this is like the, the first shot and then yeah. if it doesn't go like it is what it is but then but to know that it is it's going somewhere for i'm more happy to hear uh this is definitely because even how your your background sound you sound like you've been very heavy into the indie comics more than even like the big two yeah definitely uh what what brings you into the idea of liking the indies over like the big two you know what I think it was? I think it was the image explosion in the 90s because the, all the cool stuff and all the new number ones were coming out. You know, you know, I had my Young Blood, my Wet Works, my Wildcat, my, you know, uh, Gen 13, you know, whatever was coming out that was cool was image and it was a number one, you know, and then you can get it on the ground floor of this stuff. I also collected like, spider-man for a a really long time and like new mutants and things like that and you know you just you're not in there from the beginning and some of this stuff feels you know to me as a kid felt kind of dated um and i don't know i always just kind of like the encapsulated stories that you get in indie comics versus nothing that really happens in like let's say superman matters because superman's always going to be superman 
and you know when they kill him he's going to come back or when they when they change him he'll he'll change back you know and it's the stakes aren't that high and it's you know if you're reading saga and they kill a character in saga that character's dead you know that 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 meant a lot more and it has a lot more emotional impact and um yeah i always kind of got a little bit i never really connected to these characters that you know really nothing bad's going to happen to them that that's a good i didn't want to also age you because when you said you know the 90s boom and stuff i was uh not I was, born <laughs> I was, well no i was born in 89 so we, yeah so yeah. i was i was not born in 89 i was in <laughs> high school <laughs> so no i so, can't yeah, i didn't can, want to you can, you can age the heck out of me it's fine you know i'm in my mid-40s so but um, you, you are hitting the notes that actually attract me to um when i started more getting into the comics is like i picked up a wizard one time and said like in particular like oh x-men 500 is a good just starting point uh, yeah okay which was fine but then they started actually doing the smarter thing for me at them in particular They're like all right here's issue one so i yeah. i'm more of a dc guy so i'd actually like the when they did new 52 and here's issue one yeah and you kind of don't need and to people, and people complain about that but really as a reader isn't that what you want to get to the beginning of the story and maybe see the end of the story i mean we won't watch you don't watch a movie or like the second, you know, a third, second movie of a trilogy without watching the first yeah. movie. You know, you want to, I don't know. It was, I, I, I understand people complain about all these reboots and stuff like that. Uh, but as a reader, I like to get there at the beginning, yeah. read the, the story and then hope maybe the story ends. And, and I think honestly, if, if comics wouldn't do that more and they seem to be doing that more with like the DC black label and these limited run series where it's like, this is a story. It's like a James Bond novel. You get the beginning, middle and end. And maybe that, that character still exists, but this is the complete bit of this story. You don't have to know 50 years of, of history to read this. You know, you, Batman's a dude in a bat costume that fights crime. Okay, let's go. Let tell me a cool story. All right. Awesome. And now, now I'm, I'm, I'm good, you know? So but I, for DC, that's why I like to read like the Tom King stuff. Cause I know it's going to be, you know, your 12 issues. It's going to tell a good story and I don't have to have a connection to the character before. And I don't have to have a care, a connection to the character afterwards, but I enjoyed, you know, I enjoyed vision. I enjoyed, you know, um, the miracle man. I'm enjoying strange adventures, you know, cause it's, you are not the thing. not the only one that said that. No, <laughs> about yeah. just the idea of enjoying the Tom King style of that just quick twelve issue thing, and then I think it's more funny in the veil of I'm like Tom King did do eighty five issues of Batman for them. <laughs> yeah, and I don't read any of those. I don't. I, and 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 I love Tom King, but I won't go pick up a Batman. And I love you know I usually love every artist that's on there, but for me it's just I don't know. I just can't really get connected to that the character that has to be beholden to, you know, all the history that came before and really has to, you know, stay somewhat consistent for the future. Right. It no, just, it, to me, it feels very limiting. It's totally, no, that you have a definitely a respectable view on it because of, uh, especially when you're in that, uh, that's just how you grew up knowing you like, you like the idea of 
having a, a beginning and the end possibly and all that stuff, nothing, no baggage from 80 years or whatever. Yeah. Um, so then also, I guess then I'll correct how I usually ask the question. Uh, <laughs> if you, if you had the keys to any uh, character, who would you like to write about? And like, you know, maybe just do like a 12 issue mini series. Yeah. I, I, and this is the, this is the truth. I've said this before on other interviews. I don't, I don't ever think of another character's stories. I only think of my own character stories and maybe because that's how I have limited bandwidth and limited time to create. I don't, I don't have like a standing daredevil pitch or a Spider-Man pitch or anything like that. But if <laughs> someone came to me with like, Hey, have some fun with this character, it would probably be like Spider-Man or, or Punisher or something weird. Like, um, like, checkmate or question for dc like um a character that maybe isn't very well known in fact if they could find someone scraped up from the bottom of the vault a list character that no one cares about that would probably be the one that i would want because again i don't want that fan baggage of people yelling at me that i'm screwing up their childhood or whatever uh you know give me something that nobody cares about and let me invent somewhat new something new for it uh, and go from there but um, I don't think I could write a team book very good, like a, like an X-Men or like a, like a big team, like, um, let's, let's say maybe three to four characters is the most my break and balance at a time. <laughs> Evident in resident, you're like, okay, I got like three storylines. That's about, I'm about maxed out right here. <laughs> I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm stretching. Uh, no, yeah. it's, uh, I, no, I just wanted to hear that because I do like, that's why I'm, I'm really enjoying my little group of interviews because you are definitely on now that spectrum of the idea of I don't want nothing to do with those big, the big two, which is awesome. I'm more curious about, have you had that much fan fanness or you just been more watching from the outside? Like, man, these people are crazy about these characters. Well, you know what? It's all been fairly, for me, you know, it's been fairly positive. You know, I'm not screwing up every, anyone's like, they, no one had any preconceptions of what this book was going to be. You know, and so, you know, if people read it and they like it, you know, that's cool. If they read it and don't like it, they don't have any emotional investment in it. So I have not been the target of kind of any of like weird uh, fan stuff. Um, I'm also a straight white man. So it probably puts me in a pretty safe category to have a fairly decent Internet experience. You know, um, there is still some resistance to marginalized creators and, and creators of color and, um, you know, so I don't really get any of that. Um, and my experience has been really positive with, with um, vault kind of has established themselves as a decent, um, uh, putting out decent quality as far as a publisher from the jump, you know, they've, they've kind of established that. So I got the benefit of vault being around for a couple of years. Um, and, and fans were just like super supportive. Um, which is crazy because I'm a no name creator and, you know, Ale, uh, who started the book had only done a couple of things and really Skylar hasn't done a ton of published work. So it's a lot of, uh, no name people putting out a book. Um, that's getting some decent, you know, support from the fan community. So that's been pretty rewarding. Um, yeah, I don't know. That would be the scary part of writing a big two character. I think I don't, 
I don't have the bandwidth in my life to <laughs> deal with. You would just, it would just be blocked. I mean, I only follow like 180 people on Twitter. Uh, and you can follow me if you want. I'm probably not going to follow you back just because I'm tired all the time and I don't have time for it. Uh, and like probably 50 of the people I follow are muted. Sorry to you people who are <laughs> muted. If you never see me like your post, <laughs> that's why. Because <laughs> my, my Twitter experience is curated to what I want to see, which is very, very little. Uh, I will interact with people. You can message me. You can say hi. You can like my stuff. Um, I'm pretty easy to get a hold of. Uh, but I'm, I'm not going to follow uh, hardly anybody <laughs> just for my own sanity. <laughs> hey, I mean, that always had the good to have mental health going on. Yeah. That's always good. No, and I, uh, I want to more, uh, just more thank you for coming on and all that stuff. And then uh, if you want, like, I like to more hear about that ghost thunder, your, your self uh, publishing stuff because of like i've noticed also how you're talking i think you also got into the i think you living in california has been giving you a good opportunity of course being at the big some of the biggest comic cons does you know people but like how does that how does publishing like do like uh that at home publishing work so yeah um so ghost thunder is me uh christopher alvarez and hannah moore um and hannah and christopher are married they were dating when we started um, and me and Chris knew each other from, he worked at the local comic book shop. Um, and I actually wrangled him to come work the Skybound booth. And he had, um, done a, like an anthology of local creators and published that himself. Um, and that's just a pain in the butt to wrangle all those people. But he wanted to get back into doing conventions and selling, selling books. So we decided to kind of like join forces. And he started with a couple of wrestling prints. So if you got any wrestling fans uh, yeah. listening to the pod, he's got these awesome um, uh, golden age and attitude era and uh, NWO prints of all the wrestlers, not all of them, but a good solid roster of like 20 something wrestlers on each one that you can find. If you go to our ghost thunder website uh, and it's just ghostthunder.com. And don't look at anything on the website and just go to the store MV link because I don't, no one updates our website anymore because <laughs> they got married and, and we're busy. So, but we, we still update our store MV. Um, and so he's got some wrestling prints on there and stuff. And he's got a really cool, like mix of underground comics and like Simpsons style to his art. Um, so we decided to get together and start kind of holding each other accountable and then also helping each other out at conventions. Um, and so when I got Last Supper published, and so to get Last Supper going, um, I had written the story and then started reaching out to some people that I had met at conventions, you know, artists and things like that. And actually one of the first, it may have been the first person I reached out to is this guy, uh, Paul Schultz, who lives in Canada and is an artist there. And I met him um, at a convention and, uh, and he like, I knew he taught, he taught some art class. So I'm like, hey, you got any students or anybody who's going to willing to do this kind of on the cheap. I don't have a great budget. I'm paying for it out of pocket, but I want to pay my artist. Um, and this is the story. And he's like, you know what? I would actually like to do that. So I'll do it. And so me and Paul worked together on all four of those issues. And then a couple of anthology uh, submissions. And um, he's an awesome dude. Um, Jaded Dragon Studios out of uh, Canada is his little, um, his little adventure. And and so, like, I would pay him to do the art in 
the chunks that I had money uh, and and then found someone to do the lettering, the local guy to do the lettering for the first issue. Um, and actually someone different did the lettering in each issue as I found different people. Um, and so once I got all the files together, I'm like, what the hell do I do with this now? <laughs> and there, luckily we have a, a really cool uh, printer here in the Sacramento area where I live that specializes in comic book printing. Um, and people use it all over um, the country. And since we're here, we can save shipping costs by going and printing and picking it up. So, and they'll do low print runs. They'll do 25 or 50 issues, you know, um, which if you want to get a good price, you got to print in the thousands. So you spend a little bit more, but you can actually get your comic printed and take it to a show and then sell it. Yeah. So that was kind of, yeah, that's that's how I started. And then, you know, every year I would just basically budget my money. So I was spending all my money on all my extra money on creating comics. And so like three, four years in a row, I had a new issue out at every convention that we went to and we would do all this, the local cons. We would do like um, Big Wow and Ape in San Francisco and San Jose and, um, we did Silicon Valley Comic Con a couple of times, which is a really big show in San Francisco Comic Con. Um, it's just really, it's just an excuse to hang out and <laughs> chill with your friends and try to sell some comics. And, you know, and it, you know, when that first person comes back year two and says, you know what? I bought your comic last year. It was awesome. I mean, I, I don't do drugs, but I can't imagine drugs feeling much better than that, <laughs> you know, and that kind of gives you the juice to kind of go, okay, all right. You know, I know I spent, you know, seven thousand dollars, you know, producing this comic, and you bought it for five dollars, and uh, you know what? That was that was a good even trade for again. me. That worked. Yeah. You, I'll uh, do it again, I'll and then do it, do it again. Do you uh, do you guys do any conventions more to the east side, like Chicago? You guys ever been there yet? Um, no, I've done all those. I've done all those shows with skybound so i've i've i worked the skybound booth pretty consistently for years and i've done i've done c2e2 i've done new york comic-con i've done fan expo toronto san diego a bunch of times ccc in seattle and you know a bunch of small shows in between um skybound doesn't really need me anymore because now you know when they started it was like two employees and so the volunteers were really important to come and work the booth and they would you know, pay our hotel and pay our flight and pay our food and do all that stuff. So it was really for a couple of years, it was a blast. It was like going to summer camp with your friends um, because it was the same group of people that would get together and just hang out all weekend and sell comics. And that was rad. Um, uh, but for my own stuff, I, I can't justify throwing that much money away because, you know, when you're selling $5 floppies and you got to sell a lot of $5 floppies to pay for a hot dog. So <laughs> well, no, I well, I was just more saying. Hopefully, well, because you said C two E two. I've heard that before. And I have a group of friends that go there, and I was de like, after this pandemic shit goes goes a little bit more yeah. mellow. I would, was more gonna say if you were ever at the C two E two, if I could, I'd, if I look up, I'll look for Vault and find if you were there. Yeah. I'd you know, check you out and say hello in person and thank yeah. you. Absolutely. I wouldn't mind. That's a fun show. That's a, it's not super busy, uh, but a lot of people go there. Um, so it's got a pretty cool artist alley and it's, it was a pretty like relaxed show. So, um, I would, I would definitely do that, that one again. You know, who knows if I get like, 
actually successful someday. I would do, <laughs> I would do all the shows. Well, you know, if I could justify paying for it, you know, and if I could make a little money back um, by selling stuff, you know, it's getting closer now that I have my own self-published trade, and now that I'm going to have two trades of resident, maybe make I can almost make enough money to cover a flight, maybe if hey. people come and buy a, a crap ton of stuff. Yeah, prepare. Yeah, start getting fake tickets right now for in a couple yeah. of years. They're so cheap. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I have I have three years of Chicago for thirty four dollars. No, no, that's not bad. <laughs> uh, but no, I'm just more trying to thank you for coming on. Of course, hopefully, everyone will come listen and uh, jump on the resident train. Keep an ear open for David about uh, his um, stuff that's not being announced yet through Vault, so that maybe he can become a. Uh, full-time author yes. and a part-time physical therapist yes you know and a full-time convention goer and a full-time <laughs> um convention goer to see all the fans that listen and help them get get to here uh yeah. no but again thank you dave for coming on won't you please uh give yourself a shout out on here and of course the team for vault like the for resident like your artists and all that fun jazz too yeah, so, I mean, you can follow me on Twitter. It's the best thing. Like I said, I'm not going to follow you back. It's at DBAndry. So D, D is in David, B is in Brian. That's my first and middle name. Um, and a lot of people will call me DB as well. So you can always call me that if you see me in person. Um, Resonant issue 10 is out next month. Nine just hit last month. So buy that first trade then pick up all the singles. They're still available. You can order them at Diamond. Um, it's me, Skylar Patridge. Um, and you can follow her at Sky Patridge um, on Twitter. And she's amazing and rad. And I'm hoping I can work with her again. Jason Wordy is one of the best colors and colorists in the business. And if you can, if you only buy resident for the colors, you have made a good purchase because honestly, the colors are should, he should win an Eisner for the next three years in a row for the colors on this book. And Darren Bennett, um, who's, um, who's amazing is the letterer. Um, and he really adds a lot with, if you read resonant, it's a, it's almost a book you, you can hear. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's big shout outs to the, to the letter. I mean, I really have an all-star team. It's like an all-star team and me. Uh, so, <laughs> and Adrian Wassel and Damien Wassel are the Wassel brothers. Adrian is the, uh, editor. So he did all the editing on the book. Um, and Tim Daniel, uh, my, my good, dear close friend and co-writer is the designer on all the most of the pretty much all the vault books and he designed the logo for resonant and all the trade dress and all the covers go through his hands um tim daniels is uh amazing so um yeah and i think that what was else what I mean, else was i supposed to I say i think you may nail it on the head you know you can follow he said db yeah that yeah. uh just like this he doesn't follow me, so good luck. And then, um, <laughs> sorry, you know, sorry. No, you're good. You're good. I, I don't expect nothing. No, uh, but also go follow Vault Comics on Twitter so that you can hear the announcements before David gets a chance yes. to yes not there, say it yes. on his Twitter. Yes, there will be. Yes, there will be. A, I don't know when they're going to announce it. We are. It is in work right now. Me and Tim have done five scripts on this it should hopefully be a 10 issue series spoiler or 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 that's maybe i'm are not you, supposed to say that but are you uh, allowed to you're not even allowed to say maybe probably not genre? even allowed to say that i'm probably not even allowed to say that so all right uh david uh, and the artist david dubois uh you can follow you can find him 
Um, I'll repost his stuff on Twitter. Um, it's his first sequential work, and he's going to blow people's freaking minds. Awesome. Um, I also in, in an anthology route right now called uh, Off Into the Sunset. Uh, that's a Western anthology. It's amazing. I'm, I'm doing a story with my Ghost Thunder buddy, uh, Christopher. Uh, so you can see our work together, um, which is pretty rad. And uh, so if that gets funded on Kickstarter, it still has like 19 days to go or something like that. We're over halfway there. So go fund uh, Off Into the Sunset on on Kickstarter and check out Ghost Thunder. We got a bunch of stuff uh, still hanging out in our shop. Please don't buy any of my stuff because I don't want to go to the <laughs> post office. Just <laughs> You don't have to worry because his Last Supper is sold out on the Ghost Thunder thing. It's, it is because I don't want to go to the post office. There, there you go. <laughs> uh, I, you know how you know what you're paying in the ass it is to go to the post office to sell a $5 comic book? That is it's not... Like, it's like a quarter back in profit. Yeah, right. So come and buy it. I, I don't sell those online anymore because I'm almost out and I'm not going to reprint the singles. So when I, I did two printings, so the first print was a hundred issues that sold out almost, I think I have like a couple issues left. The second printing, I think I might have done 50 or another hundred, but those are almost sold out too. When they're done, I'm not printing any more singles. It's all just the trade. So if you find me and you can, you can ask me if I have them, they'll usually be hidden in the back. I'm not going to usually mm-hmm. even put them out uh, uh, on the table, but I do have some singles floating around. Um, collector's item, I guess. But yeah. <laughs> Don't make it sound so thrilled about it. But no, you can also go. I did take a peek. Uh, Last Supper and the Crown of Thorns one is on uh, Comixology. So if you yeah. want to just do a quick little uh, thing. But but yes, um, thank you, DB, for coming on. Yeah, thank you, man. I really appreciate you coming on and obviously everyone go see resident and hopefully just also send me the link to your Kickstarter. I'll put it in the thing. Cause this comes out on May, May 5th. Okay. I got cool. some time to put some, if anybody wants to put a, you know, help or back it and stuff, but yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's the ton, ton, ton of good creators. It's going to be, I'm not a huge fan of anthologies in general, uh, but I would back this one based on the talent that's in it. It's, um, it's really good. It's going to be a really good one. There you go. All right. Uh, again, for DB and me, this has the, been obviously the special, another special episode of our Cousin Cecil show. And like we say every week, be good to each other, and I'll catch you next week. Peace. Peace.